songs like that before I get to preach. I know you're awake at least for the first five minutes or so. So that's a good thing. As we're coming into the new year, I want to uh, take a look at this concept of faith, at least today, and I'm thinking about extending it into next, uh, next week also, because it's a word that we're all familiar with. We're here because of our faith, and yet it's a concept that's difficult to understand uh, in many ways. A man went out for a walk, and he was hiking near a cliff, and he got too close to the edge, and he slipped over and fell about 10 feet before he grabbed a, a limb. And he's sitting there hanging above 200 feet, and he just starts calling out, you know, help, help. And he heard someone say, I'm here. And the man said, oh, thank God. And he said, you're welcome. And he said, you're welcome? Yeah, you said, thank God, this is God. I'm here to help you. And he said, oh, well, in that case, help me. And uh, God said, well, just let go and I'll catch you. And the man said, let go and you'll catch me? He said, yes, just have faith. Let go and I'll, I'll catch you. The man thought for a second and said, is anyone else up there? <laughs> and I tell that joke because we're a lot that way. You know, we, we say, you know, we want to live by faith. And then our faith is challenged to do something. And we look for alternate ways. You know, we live in an era where I think it's increasingly difficult to believe anything. And this isn't really new, but it is something that is unique to our society right now. We used to say things like, seeing is believing. And then now you can't even believe that. You get online and there's pictures and it looks real and you think it's true and you find out something was photoshopped in and it's amazing how they can alter a picture. Or you see someone on Facebook and I saw one picture of a person looks like they were flying over, you know, flying in an airplane and, and uh, they're taking a selfie and then another person was taking a picture of them and they just had a... a over a cliff, they had just a round little thing sitting there pretending they were in the airplane. But the picture, the first picture, looked like they were flying over, over the land. You can't see something and believe it. We, we hear polls, and they're inaccurate a lot of times. Um, they're skewed purposefully in order to sway opinions. Newscasters are more like commentaries instead of giving the facts. And it's no matter, I've said this before, no matter what is shared on the internet, I just, I just avoid reading the comments. Because no matter what is put, on the, uh, stated, put out there, the comments behind it are just different opinions and different, I mean, just sometimes it just frustrates you when, a, when something is obviously, at least to me, is true, and then you have all these countering opinions. Science has even taken false models and information and developed contrary results. And so no wonder we have a, a society that now believes more in their feelings than they do in facts. Because they say, people say many times, well, at least my feelings feel real. Where are all these, quote, facts? I don't know if they're real or not. I once shared my faith with a man. I've done this several times and had different reactions, but 
this particular man had a very negative reaction, very strong, and he said, I don't, I don't believe in that fiction. He said, I only believe in what is real, what I can see and what I can feel and what I touch, what I smell. And so we want to look at this concept of faith and what, what does that mean? Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust you will discover that we have not failed the test. And so we want to examine ourselves, as Paul says here, and say, you know, are we in the faith and what is this faith? I want to look at some definitions of faith. You know, everyone has some type of faith. The man that I referred to, he actually had faith. He believed in the material. He said, I only believe what I can see and feel and touch. So he had faith. He had faith in the materialistic. Everyone has a fundamental belief system. And we either acquire this knowingly. We read and study and talk to people. and We, we have a faith by a process of, uh, of study. Or it just kind of comes to us in society. You know, the society, other people influence us and we have some type of faith. Let me give you some definitions of faith. Here, here's just several that I found actually on the internet. Uh, a strong belief in, the super, in a supernatural power or powers that control human destiny. Another one said acceptance of ideals, beliefs, etc., which are not necessarily demonstrable though, uh, through experimentation or reason. In other words, faith is you can't really show it through reason or experiment. There we go. Okay, there. <laughs> Went out for a second. Belief that does not rest on logical proof or material evidence. So faith is, doesn't, is not logical, not necessarily logical. You know, as we look at these different types of faith and all these different um, definitions, it, it, it becomes confusing or can be quite confusing. The Bible talks about different types of faith also, and I have them listed up here in the scriptures ahead of time, and we're just going to touch on them briefly. Over in James chapter 2, verse 17, it talks about a dead faith when he says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action is dead. Jesus on many occasions, several occasions, he chided people, but he says, why do you have such little faith? And so there's a little faith at times. Faith possessed by demons in verse 19 of chapter 2 of uh, James also, he says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So there's a faith, a belief that even demons have. And then you have legalistic faith. Uh, this is a faith in the externals. It's faith in things that doesn't see through the things to what God is, uh, to the God that caused it. Over in um, Matthew chapter 23, it says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And so he says, Yes, you, you, you have the, a legalistic faith. You, you, have been, you look at the scripture and it says, give a tenth. And so you, 
you're giving a tenth of everything, but you're not looking through that to the reason behind it. And you've neglected the important things. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we have that same kind of faith? Do we have a legalistic faith for, for people who follow the scriptures? There's a tendency, a temptation to have this type of faith. We just took the Lord's Supper, and David did a really good job of focusing our attention on the Lord. And so we may ask ourselves the question, do you believe in taking the Lord's Supper? Do you believe that you should take the Lord's Supper? That's a good question. But a better question is, do you believe in the Lord of the Supper? Because we can just take it legalistically. Well, I took the bread, I took the fruit of the vine. I'm good for the week. Or are we focusing on the Lord of the Supper? You know, a belief in the Bible just isn't enough. We need to believe in who the Bible is pointing us to, the God of the Bible. And then you have a mixed-up faith, people who believe, well, I ought to believe, but they never really believe, or they believe they ought to love. Yes, we ought to love, and we ought to forgive, and we ought to trust, and we ought to teach, but really can't do it or never do it. And that faith is similar to what Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 3, where he says, they had a form of godliness, but denied the power. What is this biblical faith, the type of faith that we're supposed to have? And in my thinking and study, I think the faith that we're supposed to have actually consists of two things. First is what is called in the Bible, the faith. What is to be believed? And second is faith, and it's acting on the what? And I'm going to explain this further. True living, true living faith starts with what the Bible calls as the faith. The faith is, a, is the revelation of God to man. It's a concrete reality. It's a tangible record of historical reality. It's God's revelation of God to man. And just to, to sum it up in a non-biblical word, in a lot of ways, is, it's this book. It's this Bible. It's what is written here. It's what is called the faith. And we all have a responsibility to the faith. And as you go through the scripture, you'll see that word with the article in front of it, the faith or the message, many times. And just a few examples. We are to guard the faith. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20. I have part of it up there, but I want to read the entire thing. He says here, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. So he says, guard this. Guard this body of teaching. He's told in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, to preach it. Uh, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He says, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. So he says, preach this word, focus on it, because 
there's going to be a time where people really don't want to hear it. And they'll, they'll have people around them that will teach what they want. They'll gather around people who will teach what they want to be heard instead of what is in the Word. Over in Jude, he says, contend for the faith. Contend for the faith which was once for all entrusted to the saints. And this contend means to struggle with skill, to have a commitment to do it. So you contend for the faith. The importance of the faith, the Bible, the written word, can hardly be overstated. Think about this. Everything you know about Jesus that's worth knowing is found here in the pages of the Bible. What do we know about Jesus outside of these words that's really worth knowing? And further, everything we know about God that has any substance is found in the Bible. We can know things about God. Of course, the Bible actually tells us we can know things about God apart from his written word. But the things we really know about his character, about who he is, is found in the Bible. And so from the faith, we get our enlightenment. We get all the facts. We get correct information. And that's why we need to have the word. The Bible. But a second part of faith is then our response to this, to this word, to this tangible record. And so our response to the faith can be called our faith. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 11 is the classic definition of faith. A lot of us, a lot of the children memorize this. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then right after this classic definition of chapter in chapter 11, he goes into some classic illustrations. He goes and begins talking about the different people of faith. And he says this faith, this type of faith that we are to have is to be active. There's action involved in a response to the faith. You could say the, 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 there's a verb that responds to the noun. And we see this over and over in chapter 11 as he says what these people did. He says, well, they offered a sacrifice. They, one built an ark, one went, one blessed, one spoke. Here's another one. Rahab hid some people. They passed through the Red Sea. All these actions were accompanied, uh, were a response of faith to what was spoken to them. Our response to the faith is shown by what we do. Now, how do these things, there we go, let me get it over here. How do these things work together? The faith and faith. They, they, they don't necessarily coexist. They can be a, apart from each other. Uh, but the way I want to explain it is like the faith, we've been given a message, the Bible, the faith, but... We don't have to respond to it. We have been given this book, this word, but we don't necessarily have to respond to it. Let me turn over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Listen to verse 2. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did... 
But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. All right, so here we have the faith preached to them, the gospel preached to them, but they had a problem. They didn't com combine it with faith. <clears throat> um, you have to have not only the faith, but you have to have a response to the faith, and that is your, your faith. Uh, over in Numbers chapter 13, this, and this is what he's talking about in, in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Numbers chapter 13, basically the Lord says to Moses, I want you to send some men into the uh, land of Canaan. I want people to go there. I'm going to give this land to you. Explore it, and then this land will be your, yours when you enter into it. On the other hand, uh, and, then, and then the story goes on, that the 10, 10 went in, 12 went in. 10 came back and said, it's too big. The people there are too great. They're too big. We can't, we can't overcome these people. But two said, Joshua and Caleb said, we can take this. And the result was a murmuring, grumbling crowd, a disbelieving uh, crowd of people. And now we talk about, when we tell the story, of how shameful the Israelites were. You know, if we were there, we would have been like Joshua and Caleb. We would have gone into the land. We would have taken uh, the land. But listen, what do we do when we come to Matthew chapter 6? It kind of parallels Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, they sat on the edge of taking the kingdom into the land of Canaan. Jesus, as he was teaching uh, in Matthew chapter 6... He said, they're on the edge of the kingdom of God. And he says there the, to the Israelites, he said, now don't worry. The battle is won. Go take the land. Jesus tells us, don't worry about physical things. Seek first the kingdom of God. How do we react to that? Do we react to that in faith? No, what we do, we send 12 committee members into the community. <clears throat> we discover the stability of the market, how the stock market is going, inflation, receptivity. And then we say, how can we not worry? We claim to be Christians, and we approach life like the Israelites did many times. And what's the opposite of faith. <clears throat> What's the antithesis to faith? Fear. Fear. Do we act in faith or do we act in fear? And each individual needs to ask that question of themselves. Do, do I react in faith when I study God's word? Do I make these applications to my life? <clears throat> or do I make excuses and react in fear? As a congregation, when we make decisions as a, as a church, do we respond in faith or do we respond in fear? Do not be anxious about anything. But if you knew what was going on in my life, go and preach the good news to all creation. But you know, people don't listen in America. Forgive as God forgave. But, but you don't know how hard 
it is to forgive. You don't know what this person did to me. Be patient. Be kind. But that person really tries my patience. Do we respond intellectually? Do we respond in action? Or do we respond in fear? And by intellectually, I mean, do we mentally agree with what the Bible says? Yes, we should not be anxious, but then we don't make application to our lives. I know we need to be patient, but we're not patient. Do we respond in fear? I just can't. I don't know how to do that. Or do we respond in faith and say, well, God said to do this, so I'm going to make a response to that. Do we act like the Israelites who we condemn? Or do we respond in faith? And that's why in, in Hebrews chapter uh, 4, he says, let's be careful. Let's be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Be careful. Be, pay attention. Listen. Which is more important? The faith or faith? And there seems to be a movement toward confirming our faith with experience. You know, the Bible says something, but I want to confirm it with some kind of experience. And we need to be extremely cautious that our faith does not rest in our feelings. And I know I've said this many times in the past. But there's this tendency to, to confirm our faith by our feelings. Or if we're feeling right about something, then we do it. But if we're not feeling right, we don't do it. Which do we look for, a knowledge of the revelation or up in doing something? Are we working for knowledge without action or action without knowledge? Do we study the scriptures without putting it into practice? Or do we do things without biblical direction? And if you've been listening, neither is right. Neither direction is right. Because both are essential. The faith is essential and your faith is essential. It's like asking this question. Which is more necessary? The compass on the boat or the rudder? The scripture, yeah, both. The scripture is our compass. It points the way which we are to go. And the rudder is our response to the compass. If we don't have a compass, we may be doing some fantastic sailing out there, but going nowhere, or not knowing where we're going, or perhaps wrecking ourselves on a reef. I told you the story about a friend of mine who wrecked his boat on a reef. Had a big hole in it. And so he patched it, and then he said, hey, I need to test the boat. You want to go with me? <laughs> I, I should have fought. <laughs> But I took the whole family, you know, we took the whole family and we sailed to a distant island, took most of the day to get there. And, and as soon as we got out, this is a 45-foot catch, he says, take over. And I'm like, well, okay. But I'm looking at the charts, I'm looking at the compass, I'm, I'm studying it to see what's where. And there was these rocks called black rocks. And the reason they were called the black rocks is because they were black rocks sticking up out of the ground, out of the ocean. Well, coming back, we're, he was sailing, going back the, the following day. And I'm looking at the map, and I'm thinking, he's going to run into the reef. 
the way he's sailing. I looked at the compass. And I went to him and said, Tom, I think we need to, I think we need to move to the starboard side a little bit. He's like, ah, oh, no, no, no. I knew why he wrecked the, on the reef before. So Matthew, uh, Angel and I got to the front of the, the boat. I said, let's go to the front. I said, when, when it starts to, when we start seeing reef, I want you to run as fast as you can back to Tom and tell him, put it in reverse. We're going to hit a reef. And she's like, how do you know? I said, because we're heading to the reef. I've looked at the maps. I've looked at the charts. I've looked at the compass. I know which direction we're going. And we're sitting up front, and sure enough, there suddenly out of blue water comes this reef. And she runs back, and she tells him to put in reverse. He puts in a reverse, and we scrape the bottom of the reef, but we're able to get off. And later I said, Tom, what were you thinking? And he said, oh, I just thought we were going in the right direction. And I said, Tom, black rocks, map, charts, compass. I said, one day you're going to sail off into the sunset, and that's the last we're going to see of you. <laughs> and that's how we are many times in our lives. What, what's important? Both are important. The Word of God is important. Saving faith is a proper combination of both. There's been a good and a right emphasis on studying the word in this church. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the heritage, heritage that was given to me by my parents. I'm thankful for a group of people who diligently study God's word. But my, my task now is to ask, am I putting it into practice? Am I doing what it says? Because if I'm not doing what it says, I really don't have faith. I have the faith, and I enjoy studying it and reading it and learning and finding out nuances from other people that I've never thought of before, and that's all wonderful. I love that. But if it stops there, it's a dead faith. It's a weak faith at, at best. Do I put it into practice in my daily life. And so we must uphold the faith. We must study it. We must know what the word says. But it's really not faith until we apply, apply it to our lives. My prayer is that we're a congregation that has the faith, that honors the faith, that studies the faith, that focuses on the faith, and then a people who put it into practice in their lives and actually have faith in practice in their lives. <clears throat> we're going to continue to, to look at this next week, Lord willing. And if not, I know we're going to look at it over the years together to, to see how we put into practice the faith that was written down for us. If you need to respond to an invitation, our elders will be here. They'll come up front. Uh, if you need to talk to them about anything in particular or ask for particular prayers, we invite you to come forward as we stand and as we sing.